Hello boys and ghouls, and welcome to episode number 11. This episode is dropping on February 13th, so the topic will be Valentine's Day and love in horror movies. In the second half of the show, you'll hear some audio from an old commercial for Time Life's Mysteries of the Unknown series. The actress in that commercial is a very early in her career, Julianne Moore, though she's not yet the caliber of actress she would later become. And now, with love and kisses, here's episode 11 of Boys and Ghouls. You want to see something really scary? They come from the bowels of hell, a transformed race of walking dead. Zombies, exploding heads. Psychos, fanatics, murderers, nutcases. Now, do we all agree that what we are dealing with is vampires? I know that one of you is a werewolf. Ain't nothing but dead folks. I want to kill you. undead so You ever talk to a corpse? Satan is our pal. It's boring. Throw the third switch! Look! The third switch! Give my creation! Perhaps Don's Macabre. I don't think that's um, wide enough. No. Or thick enough. That's what she said. <laughs> Yay. Oh, um, I spent maybe within a 24-hour period or a little bit longer, I watched the entire second season of American Horror Story. Oh. Yeah. How was it? Oh, it's good. Yeah. You know, I at first I was like, I'll just watch, uh, I'll just watch one. See, yeah. See how I like it. And then, because I watched the first season like that, but you don't have to watch the first season to enjoy the second Correct. one. And then it's like, well, I'll just watch two more. And it's like, I can squeeze in another before bed. Yeah. And it's like, I work late tomorrow. Yeah. And then just on and on and on. And yeah. then like episode 13. And I'm spent. Good fun. So you said you had some gab mm -hmm. for me. Yeah. Okay. So uh, this friend of mine, Mondo Franco, he's super awesome. You might remember me talking about a Halloween fan film contest that I did. Um, I recall. Okay, so Mondo is doing a short film adaptation of a Stephen King short story called The Boogeyman. It's about a man who is accused of killing his children, but he says The Boogeyman did it. Okay, um, I read it. So Stephen King does this program called Dollar Babies. I don't know if you know about this, but there are titles that are available and you can you pay a dollar and then you can have the rights to the film nice. or to the story to make a film. Uh, it's for student filmmakers who want to be able to do things like that. I think there's a caveat. I mean, it, none of them can be you currently in development. Well, and you also can't do that. Like if they're not under contract for a movie, then they're available. So it's, it's always, I guess it's a changing list of titles that are available at any given time, but then you can, you just have to apply, I guess. Tell them why. I think you have to do a proposal and they have to approve it, but oh, you don't so have to pay a ton of money. You're not just like clicking somewhere and it I just don't automatically think so. says, you have been approved. I don't believe so. I do believe there are limitations as far as how much money you can't make money off of it and things like that. Sure. But, you know, it's an opportunity to to be able to make a story by Stephen King. At any rate, Mondo is doing The Boogeyman. And um, he gave me a, a tiny part. But it's really exciting because, as you know, I'm absolutely obsessed with Stephen King. I love him so much. So to be a part of anything that has to do with Stephen King, even remotely, is um, the world's most awesome thing. Awesome. For me. Yeah. Speaking of Stephen King, you're currently towards the end of the Dark Tower series? Yeah. Well, every main character that dies, I, I notice I tend to uh, take a break. Uh-huh. Is this for, um, like, emo personal emotional reasons or...? Kind of. It's it's like I could get back to it. Yeah. Or right now I'm I'm reading uh, the number one ladies detective agency. I'm like, well, that's... that's a little... I don't know what this is. The number one ladies detective agency? It's about a uh, ladies detective agency in Botswana. So it's like, well, I could uh, tune back in to the uh, audiobook of characters dying, or I can pick up, you know. I have to take, you know, any Stephen King, I try to take a break, especially between the Dark Tower books. They're they're really taxing. You kind of just have to hop into something silly, like I'll read like a Tory Spelling book, which, you know, just total. You need a palate cleanser. Yeah, yeah. you kind of no, do. But interesting. You'll have to tell me how that, how this Botswana how detective works agency works out. I will. Ah! 
I felt his hand grab a hold of my coat. I heard it rip and he clutched for my throat. Why did I give him the strength of ten men? It says the price I must pay for my sin. But chills ran up and down my spine. Now Ralph Frankenstein! Da will you be my Valentine? All right, everybody. I'm Marshall Hicks. I'm Kat Knipe. And on this episode of Boys and Ghouls, we are covering Valentine's Day in horror movies. Oh, God. Two Um, things that maybe don't sound like they should go together. But go together constantly. They do. Yeah. Sometimes in a really contrived, nonsensical way, in my opinion. (laughs) uh, Valentine's Day, yeah, you, you kind of have to shoehorn it in. Yes, you do. I mean, even the St. Valentine's Day Massacre. An actual massacre on Valentine's actual Day. actual massacre. Had nothing to do with actual Valentine's Day. No, but we are going to talk about it. I'm going to take a few moments. Okay. Did my dad email you or something? No. I mean, not about that. Your dad emails me all the time. Um, he suggested to me, he's like, why don't you do a uh, Valentine's Day massacre? Yeah. And I was like, eh, it's not really Well, it's horror. not. It's not. But they did make a movie about it. So we're going to talk about it for a second and also have another reason to want to talk about it. The Roger Corman movie with Jason Robards? Uh-huh. Okay. So if you're listening and you don't know about the St. Valentine's Day massacre, it's uh, 1929. Mm-hmm. The North Side Gang, of a Chicago. gang in Chicago, plus gang collaborators Reinhardt H. Schwimmer and John May were murdered by, they were in a garage uh, in Chicago. Two men dressed as police officers who may or may not have been police officers, along with two plainclothes men, were seen going into the building. There was a lot of shooting, and then the police officers kind of escorted the two street-clothed men who had walked in, kind of like ushered them out at gunpoint. They All four of them ran away, and then there were all these men dead inside. And there are a lot of... Apparently, this is like a still an unsolved murder. Like, no one really knows exactly what happened inside that building. There are a lot of theories. I bring it up because my roommate, he played John May, the mechanic, in a National Geographic, like, hour-long program about the Valentine's Day Messenger. Yeah! Did I say Messenger? Um, Did I, I say Macmint? I, I said something. I'm I'm drunk on M&M's and heart-shaped pizza. Anyway, he filmed this thing, and it was this really incredibly elaborate production. They actually did this really amazing moment where they're all, you know, getting shot at, and you see that it's like slow motion, and, and all the men are like kind of half falling to the ground, and they had them hold these poses, kind of like half arched back, and then the camera did the, they did the camera pan around. Oh, geez. It's so cool. Anyway, I had to talk about him for a second because he learned a lot about it on set and he showed me some clips of the program last night. Really, really well put together. Anyway, if speaking of my roommate, if you want to go check him out, he's an actor and a, an incredible voice actor. And his name's Chris Dorman, chrisdorman.net. He's really talented. But I just had to uh, talk about that because it, it ties in. And they made a movie, 1967, about it, which I haven't seen. I don't know if it's widely considered to be Roger a great Corman movie. came to the New Beverly. That's cool. And him and Joe Dante talked a bit about the movie. The St. Valentine's Day Massacre, starring Jason Robards, unforgettable as Al Capone. It's all set for this Thursday, Mr. Capone, in the morning, around 10.30. We got a nice Valentine all ready to deliver. (laughs) A Valentine for bugs. Say, Jack, just make sure it's a great big red Valentine, huh? I'm uh, I'm looking through a, a book of Roger Corman uh, movies that I grabbed off the shelf to look up Valentine's Day. I'm not seeing it quickly. Oh, for crying out loud! But I will show you this. I can't believe I didn't write. Which I, I brought with me to the screening of Valentine's Day <clears throat> Massacre. Yeah. Boom. Cool. Oh, that's look Roger at that Corman's autograph. Autograph. Yeah. Amazing. I had Roger Corman. He didn't write anything. It wasn't like to Marshall or. You know, he just scribbled that that name. He just quick put his name down. That's how my autograph of Robert England. It's just his autograph. I, I think a lot of the icons. So many people ask them to not write anything. They just like just want their name, right? Because they then want to flip it around and sell it on eBay. That's really crappy. <laughs> yeah. Whereas I would love would have loved it if he was like. Yeah, because you're not looking to make money. It's not about that. Write it to my best friend, Marshall Hicks. Yeah. (laughs) Marshall, you're my inspiration. (laughs) Yeah. Roger Corman. That would be amazing. In this town on Valentine's Day, everybody loses their heart. (laughs) It looks like Harry Warden's back in town. 
Valentine Bluffs. There are many ways to die. Take your pick. My bloody Valentine. Now, we both went and watched different things to prepare for uh, tonight's podcast. But something that I know we both watched was the original My Bloody Valentine. 1981. 1981. Mm-hmm. Later remade in 3D. Yeah. Uh, do you want, what one did you kick us off? I didn't love this movie. <laughs> and listen, I am a firm believer in finding the good in everything. Sure. I think it's much easier to, to rip on a film than it is to find things that are positive to say. Uh, not just movies, but anything in life. Okay. Let me preface it with that. I mean, before I saw this movie, I had, of course, heard of it. I mean, it's funny. When I told my mother we were doing this topic, I was like, oh, we're doing, like, Valentine's, like, love stories, but horror. And she goes, oh, like, My Bloody Valentine. Like, that was her immediate response. I said, yeah. I said, did you see it? And she goes, no. I just, I've heard the title. So, like, I feel like everyone knows the title. Although, I'm pretty sure I'd never heard of it, weirdly, before the remake came out. I think I was only dimly aware of it. Yeah. Just by name. But so with all that said, it's not that I didn't enjoy it. I also had looked up before seeing it a little bit of information about it. And I read in a couple places that Quentin Tarantino says this is his favorite slasher film, which got me really excited because I thought, oh, well, if Quentin Tarantino likes it, there's then, a stamp of approval. Yeah. You know how much I love Tarantino. Um, I just, it felt so run of the mill to me. I mean, you know, it was part of, I mean, anything you read about this film kind of places it, it was 1981, Friday the 13th had come out, Halloween had come out a couple years before. Halloween particularly, Friday the 13th, they started capitalizing on holiday horror. And I mean, you read trivia about this movie and the producers, they were looking for a holiday that hadn't been covered yet. So They're making no bones about it. Right. So right off the bat, it's not like someone had this idea for some great story it was like oh we gotta set it on which grant to be fair that's what happened with halloween (laughs) you know i I get it they can't all be lightning in a bottle to me this kind of turned out a little disjointed yeah especially that ending which spoiler alert we're gonna talk about okay you watch on netflix i went and rented the dvd yeah you did so i got a few special features where the people who wrote it and produced it were oh yakking about it and it's like you say Halloween came out. The studio said we want to do a Valentine's Day yeah. uh, horror movie, and we don't have a lot of time. Yeah, because it was like August, and they had to have it out by February. <clears throat> My goodness! So they were like, "Go for it!" And when you think Valentine's, you think hole miners, right? Of course. Which you don't. Nope. The story is there's a killer coal miner who hates Valentine's Day, and yeah. he'll kill anybody who wants to celebrate it. Right. In very a simply, that is that is a very simple nutshell. A slightly more detailed. He was the sole survivor of a mining accident. He Which was took he his and, sanity. Right. He and four other guys or something were trapped, and there were two supervisors who like left for the day without making sure they were out of the mine or something. And then there was an explosion of some kind. Well, they left. Everyone else died to go to the him. Valentine's dance. That's right. They were all excited every year. For, because the town, the name of the town is Valentine Bluffs. It's a big deal, yeah. Yeah, in a, that town, it's a big dance. So they dig him out. They find him like chewing on some guy's leg. Yeah, his name's Harry Warden, by the way. And then one year later, also on Valentine's Day, he goes in and kills a couple of mine supervisors out of revenge. And the gap, that year gap, for waiting for Valentine's Day to set him off again, is really just to explain later why Valentine's Day is setting off. The, the present day killings, which is like 20 years later. Right. Someone has started uh, killing people again. Right. Harry Warden is supposed to be in a mental institution, but being 1981, when the mental institution system really didn't have a lot of computers, it was pretty easy to just lose a, a patient yeah. somewhere in the system. What what I don't understand, and I don't, we talked about this a bit in our revenge episode, why people who are hurt almost murdered, wronged. They get murderously vengeful. It's like, I feel like in everyday life, most people don't survive some kind of a tragedy and then want to go murder people. They just kind of are happy enough just to be alive and like move on with their lives if they can get past like PTSD and all the stuff that's going on. But people in movies are very quick to want everyone else to suffer and die because they suffered. There's usually, uh, I'll just call it an incubation period. (laughs) This one was 20 years. Right. Well, that was it in a nutshell. Yeah. So going back, when they were trying to um, get this movie down on the page, they said, well, we need the killer to have some kind of mask, like in Halloween, to disguise his features. Right. So you know what's good? 
Coal mining respirators. No (laughs) one can really see. It is creepy. It's because the coal mining respirator with the helmet could totally disguise someone's identity. Mm -hmm. And then you get pickaxes and all that business. Yeah. That's why they decided to have the coal miner as their killer. Right. And since they were already working on something that had to have Valentine's Day theme in it, they were like, okay, Valentine's (laughs) with a coal miner. Yeah. How do we do this? Right. Let's let's do that. Let's start building blocks. Yeah. Right. So they named the town Valentine's, Valentine's Bluff. Bluffs. And for the first time in 20 years, they're going to have another Valentine's dance. It's been just long enough for everybody to go, ah, none of that Harry Warden nonsense. We're not scared anymore. We're called Valentine's Bluffs for Pete's sakes. Yeah. We should have a Valentine's dance. <laughs> Which leads me to an observation. This seems to be a town without teenagers. Mm-hmm. Because everybody who's really excited about this dance, who's decorating for the dance... Are all they're people working men? They're and working women. men. Yeah, and they're, t- and they're not terribly old. That's a very good point that did not occur to me. Yeah, usually horror movies are a bunch of teenagers getting picked off, but, but these people, like these, are boys who work in the mines. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're all mine employees with job dangerous jobs. Yeah, wives maybe, mostly girlfriends. Right, and and when it comes time to the dance, it's like, hey, they keep calling them kids. Yeah, it's like, hey, you kids. You don't uh, behave. We're gonna have to cancel the Valentine's dance, and they're, and they're all written like like teenagers in a malt shop. Yeah, sneaking but, off to go neck. Granted, in a mining town, you go into the mines pretty young. Yeah, it's hard living. I think I'm getting the black lung, Bob. It's not very well ventilated down there. For Christ's sake, Derek, you've been down there one day. Talk to me in thirty years. Then you get a heart in a box. Literally, a like, heart in a heart-shaped chocolate box it was like hey sheriff this valentine came uh-huh. for you and it's a human heart right which presumably is the heart of the girl from the f- very first scene of the movie which Rewind. is uh-huh yeah we we have to presume it's her because there's a there's a murder in the first scene of the film which is there's a guy in the minor suit with well, there's, there's the, two minors yeah full respirators you, you can't see either of them we and think they're both dudes you just assume mm-hmm. one of the minors takes off the takes, takes off, off her the helmet. mask and she's like, like shakes her hair out like a shampoo mm-hmm. commercial with right. this like long, lustrous. I'm like, is this a Harlequin hair. romance novel I'm reading? And then the other uh, minor opts to keep on his mask. Yeah, because he's into for it for the convenience of the audience not knowing who it is, yeah. and because he's into it. Yeah, but she has a heart, a little red heart tattooed on her breast. Yeah, which we get a good long look at. Which then sends him over to the edge because this guy hates, hates Valentine's Day. It's kind of reminiscent of the kid from, um, you know, Silent Night, Deadly Night. That it, Santa suit will just set him off. What it makes for this movie is now a slasher bad guy who's basically like John Lithgow in Footloose. Yeah. Trying to shut down the dance. <laughs> the kids just want to dance. No dance Let in this town. dance. Because and that, that's his caveat. It's like he delivers the heart, mm-hmm. and the note attached is cancel the Valentine's dance, right? Or this will happen again. Yeah, and the sheriff's like, "Oh boy!" At, at first, they don't. Mm-mm. In order to not cause a panic, kind of. Yeah, mm. they don't want to get the town all up in arms. But then, in fairly short order, poor Mabel gets it right. Mabel, who runs the laundromat, runs the laundromat and is the main volunteer for organizing the dance but she puts up with the kids yeah the kids who are all smoking and have mustaches <laughs> can legally buy and drink alcohol lots of moosehead <laughs> by the way this movie must have just been sponsored by moosehead because everyone's drinking moosehead beer <laughs> it's just everywhere yeah she gets it in the laundromat and there's a moment where she's trying to fend off her attacker by opening a series of front-loading dryers i don't know it makes her think that's gonna work it Slows him down for like a moment, although he could have just stepped like a foot. Why would he keep running straight into the doors? It doesn't make sense. He's walking with with the usual, just like the respirator noise, which is. Yeah. And then just like, bam, ah, dryer door just hit me. (laughs) Bam, here's another one. And she's using those dryer doors to save her life, and they don't. She runs out of dryers. Yeah. At the end of the row, he's like, you're out of dryers now, woman. And then her body is just left on some kind of. Hours and hours and long. hours and hours spin cycle because it's still in the dryer because it's still going. It's still they find going. Her. Yeah. When this movie was being edited, John Lennon was shot. Uh huh. And there was a big blowback against violence in movies. I read about this. So every kill in the movie still existed, but was trimmed down. So a lot of special effects just went 
unseen, mm -hmm. which is a shame because they were pretty good. Yeah. And when you watch it on DVD, you can watch a uh, extended version, which is those four seconds for every kill with the real just money shots yeah. of special effects and gore right. stuck back in. Unfortunately, they didn't go back and like color correct them oh, to make it match the rest right. of the movie. So you can just tell when those four or five, ten seconds are spliced back in because the, the yeah. color gets a little washed out, and then you see an eye pop out, and you're like, yeah. "Wah!" It's less real, yeah, because the color is all changey. I did a little um, comparative watching, mm -hmm. and every single kill had a slightly longer version. Yeah, with the dryer, her body continued to rotate. Ooh. Even all burned up and gross looking. Ew. It just kind of flopped around for a little while. But because the social climate was that of anti-violence, mm -hmm. they cut out the flopping. Right. This is kind of a general piece of trivia you probably read, but I love this. Um, they filmed in Nova Scotia. They scoped out this town. They found this mining town with this great dilapidated kind of like gross looking old drippy mine and they were like yes we're gonna film there and the townsfolk were so excited they like spent all this money refurbishing and like renovating the mines making them look really nice and sparkly and fresh and clean yeah and then the filmmakers were like what are you doing so yeah. then they had to like spend all this spend money even more money to dirty it up again. exactly which i think is really funny by the way, this is not plot related, but did you notice how darned Canadian all of them are? Especially the sheriff. Oh, yeah. The sheriff and also, um, we haven't really talked about this, but there's a whole character arc they try to, this whole storyline they put in that makes somewhat more sense. No, no, it never mind. It doesn't. They gotta have a love story. Sure. TJ, um, he's one of those crazy kids who had left town yeah. to try to get away from the place, but then ultimately comes back. Unfortunately, his girl his has steady. moved on to another guy, Axel. But there's a scene where the two of them, it's so melodramatic. Like, the music is very, like, love story. She's like, why'd you have to leave me? And he's like, I had to. I'm so, I'm sorry. I'm so, <laughs> so sorry. And I was like, wow, you are Canadian. Was it supposed to be set in Canada? Or did I they just... don't think so. Terrible Although, things. I don't know that for sure. Terrible murders can happen in Canada, right? No. They're, no. they're too nice. That's something for the States. So anyway, the dance is canceled, but then all the kids are hanging out at the local bar, and there's a crazy guy there, right, who's like, it's old Harry Warden. The bartender. Bartender. Who, if it was a Scooby-Doo episode, it would have been him. Yeah. Trying to scare off all the kids. Damn kids. But we know it wasn't him because he goes off and sets up a, like, a dummy in a, in a mining outfit. Yeah. He's probably spent a good deal of time on this with pulleys and everything else. So and he when, says out loud, I'm going to give them a scare they're never going to forget or something like that. Right. And when you open the door, it's been rigged. The pickaxe will then fall and, and they'll get a big scare. Yeah. And he tests it and it works. And he tests it again. And he's like, ha ha, that's perfect. And, and then, then blah, here comes the killer. Yeah. And actually kills him. It's not the dummy anymore. Nope. He gets a good... Actual pickaxe. We're, we're presuming it's Harry Warden. Back because he hates Valentine's right. Day. Right, and they're daring to have this dance again. But the kids don't listen to the bartender, right? Well, they, they relocate the dance mm -hmm. over to the, what'd you call it, lounge? Yeah, I guess. The miner's lounge, which yeah. has a pool table and plenty of, like, it has a kitchen area. Kitchen to make party treats, yeah. Yeah, I was going to say food for the miners, typically. Uh -huh. Yeah, but I mean, in this instance... It's going to be made right? making party treats. They're like, it's got a dartboard. Let's yeah. go. Mm -hmm. So they go, and there's a couple of murders when everyone's having a good old time, including one guy gets his face shoved in boiling hot dogs. Yeah. So they do that pot's point of view shot to where yeah. you're, they're filming through the, the boiling water. The underside of the, yeah. As the guy's face comes in and goes, no. Yeah. But... There's already hot dogs in the boiling water. Yeah. So as he's going, no, scalding water, hot dogs just kind of float past the camera. <laughs> it's a little bit really probably unintentionally comedic. Undercutting anything right. really horrible that was happening. Right. There goes a hot dog. <laughs> then there's the inevitable, a couple of girls pipe up saying, let's go down to the mines. Mm -hmm. Because the guys... Are down in the mines five days a week anyway. Right. Of course, they want to spend their time. Yeah, they don't want to go back down the mines. But the girls are like, let's check out these mines. What an opportunity. Uh-huh. Then they go down. A, a few of them go down in the mines in a mine cart. And here's where I would like to remark on something that this movie has that I, I really did enjoy. Yeah. 
which is it's a mine. Yeah. That is a working mine. And they really took advantage of the look of a real mine. Uh huh. Whereas other movies just kind of resemble the cues of the Indiana Jones ride at Disneyland. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. It's not really a mine. In real mines, you have to stoop a lot of the time. Yeah. Uh, which in this one you did. Uh, you know, low ceilings. Every everything's dirty. Just yeah, everything. Everything. With coal dust. Well, and I think in in a lot of ways too, it's kind of what you talked about appreciating in our our school centric horror movies episode. Yeah. Uh, that, you're, you're referring to hack to school. Hack to school. That they get to use like the surroundings, the tropes, the tropes of the mine. Not only not not necessarily. Oh, here's a weapon, which definitely happens. But like ladders that go up really high and aren't really safe, and you know, water and mine carts and things like. There's a lot of stuff to utilize, and they're able to do that really well. And I mean, visually, it's really cool. I mean, of course, the image of the miner and that respirator is really terrifying. I mean, if you yeah. saw someone breathing like that coming after you with a pickaxe, it's a really scary image. Yeah. Well, I mean, once they, they decided on the miner, they then looked at, well, what else in a mine can kill you? Yeah. Answer, a lot. Everything. <laughs> so these stupid kids go down into a mine. The kids. They're adults. Damn crazy adult kids. Now, and of th- course there's they... one character. Now, you don't know who the killer is. Right. But I was pretty sure it wasn't the character of Hollis. Oh, Hollis. Lovable Hollis, Hollis. was the big fat one. Yeah. He was the jolly tubby guy. Yeah. And you're like, well, I know it's not Hollis, so maybe it's <laughs> the wacky one. Oh, yeah. Like, if you watch I Was a Teenage Werewolf, there's the one guy who's just wacky. Yeah. And he's always getting attention, and really nothing he does is actually funny. <laughs> but you know that everyone in the movie thinks he's funny. He's class clown material. And then... So people start discovering these bodies above ground, and yeah. they put two and two together and realize, oh, it's Harry Warden, so they tell the sheriff who, um, so we gotta get him out of that mine. Meanwhile, all hell's breaking loose down in the mines because they're getting murdered. You want to talk about kills? Well, there is a very good one, a very good suspenseful moment where, and I'm assuming this is true because it's too weird to make up, the miners will hang their clothes up. Oh, yeah, like this was high, a really suspended. scary moment. I know what you're going to say. Yeah. Suspend it up high and then come and get them the next day yeah. before going back down to the mines. So there's a ceiling full of just dangling full miners' outfits and miners' gear, which you just have to like pull on the right string and just, get, yeah. just bounces down. But now you've got a uh, frightened young lady in the shower area. Yeah. Knows she isn't alone, and these whole wardrobes of minor gear just keep, like, dropping. One in front of her, she turns around, bah, then drops to the side. Mm-hmm. And she can't see around it, and, like... It's like a weird upside-down whack-a-mole. And it just keeps going until eventually, it's not a set of clothes, it's the real guy. Yeah. Oh, Bye-bye, you know what? No. Girl. And then her murder occurs. She gets impaled on a shower head, mm-hmm. which was sharp. Because it's not like the showers you have at home. It's like yeah. the showers for the miners after you come out of the mines. Yeah. And one of the things they cut was a shot of the shower flow, <gasps> the, the, water, the running water oh. coming out of her mouth because she had been impaled in the back of the head. Good Lord. With a shower head. That's pretty gross. Catch it in the extended version. Yeah. It doesn't last long, but it's pretty effective. Um, that character who meets her her end impaled on a shower she's ready to make some sex yeah with uh with the guy she snuck off with and he pulls out a condom yeah and i have to say is that do you think the first condom in horror movies i know neither of us have watched all the horror movies no we haven't but 1981 condom oh wow that's a good point most i'm like, trying to remember most like summer campers aren't really practicing safe no, sex they're just doing it pre-aids the yeah. only thing out here that can kill us is a crazy miner. Yeah, that's a really good point. I mean, you know, kudos to them for yeah. setting a better example. Although they make a lot of other dumb decisions in the movie. Sure. Uh, one good decision, several bad ones. Yeah. <laughs> Finally, the identity of the killer comes down to one of two guys. And which one it is, is basically arbitrary. Yeah. And it felt very arbitrary. Why he's a killer is also basically arbitrary. Yeah, and they explain it in like 10 seconds. Like, it, it wraps up very neatly. Honestly, yeah. I felt like I was slapped in the face. I was like, wait, who the what now? It's, like, just... it's this guy. Why? Well, remember this. <laughs> remember the guy who got killed on the first anniversary of Valentine's Day? Not the original Valentine's Day when he killed the other miners. Yeah. Well, 
that guy was a little boy and he was under the bed and he saw his dad get killed. On, and that was on Valentine's Day. Boy, they. Because it was the first anniversary. And that's them really stretching to oh. still squeeze Valentine's Day. Absolutely. But as disappointing as that was, I feel the ending was what little was left, like that last minute of screen time. Oh. Which is there's a cave in. Really fun. And the killer is trapped under the cave in. And then the rescue team comes and they, they want to dig him out. So they see his arm and the girl like grabs his arm and it's it's not attached to anything. Yeah. And then they can see, they can just kind of barely see, like, like they've cleared enough rubble to see him running away one-armed. Yep. Just yelling back Laughing, at them. Laughing, like, cackling. Just saying, I'm going to kill everybody in this town. And then he says, Sarah, would you be my bloody valentine? Right. I'm like, ee! And then he has this, like, creepy laugh down pat. Oh, man, yeah. I was yeah. like, where was this maniacal amazingness for the rest of the movie? Yeah. <laughs> Is it... And he doesn't... Well, you probably bleed out, honestly. But he just runs down the mine shaft, and he's hard to find. Yeah. Will they ever find him? Marshall, did you ever, did you see any of the My Bloody Valentine taglines on the posters? Do you recall? I have two of them I found that are really fun. What are they? Well, the first one is, there's more than one way to lose your heart. Wow. And the other one is, and this one makes absolutely no sense. Cross your heart, ellipses. And hope to die. Um, I get it that the phrase contains the words heart and die. However, no one hopes to die. Roses are red, violets are blue. One is dead, and so are you. So, let's talk about Valentine's Day for a moment. Yeah, let's. I didn't research actual Valentine's Day on anything further than the explanation that's given in a quick speech given by a nude woman in My Bloody Valentine 3D. Go on. Well, first I want to say that as a 3D movie and you see her like, it's a 3D slasher movie. Your first thought might be, I bet the blood comes just man right out at you. Absolutely, yeah. And your second thought is boobs. Oh, right. Just right at the screen. Right. Right and in your face and you just motorboat them. They do not skimp. The first 10 years later kill comes first you meet the couple and flagrante uh-huh i believe is the expression. So it sure is and for the lady you see it all yeah the upstairs the downstairs of course the back porch <laughs> everything the yeah. guy you get to see a bit and the the actor i discovered was the co-writer of the movie oh so yeah you know, yeah he might have sat down and said let's have a naked woman for like 10 straight minutes uh-huh. I'll, I'll do I'll be in the scene with her no big deal he also took a hit yeah so they're in like a, a seedy motel but it's got a heart shaped bathtub oh. and Valentine's Day is coming up and she's reminded of this and while tapping out a cigarette gives a little uh, little history of Valentine's Day oh. for her lover and the audience alright please lay it on me she starts by saying did you know St. Valentine was the patron saint of love and the guy's like yeah whatever hmm and she said around the year 500, it started when uh, teenage boys would lottery the names of girls from a box. And the girl's name would be like written on a piece of paper. Mm-hmm. And that girl would become their secret sexual companion for all of the year. And this started the tradition of the Valentine's card. I can't imagine. Is that true? We did, did we Snopes that? Is that true? I, I didn't don't look know. That up. I did hear that that was actually a real thing put into place because at that time... Folks were just running wild. Yeah. And that was actually something put into place to temper it down to just one person. Wow. But anyways, so there's a little history lesson for you. That's, wow. Usually I'm the one who's like, Webster's Dictionary defines. So I'm glad. I'm glad you brought something to the table. On that. I, I did go to Wikipedia <laughs> real quick, actually. To, yeah, uh, I did to too. To try to verify it. And I was like, this is a mess. <laughs> Turns out Valentine's Day, nobody knows. Yeah. It's, it is an incredibly elaborate, incredibly confusing There may have been Wikipedia like three St. Valentines yeah. according to it. I was like, F that noise. I'm just going to go with the naked woman. Yeah. Kaz and Denny love the same things. A successful relationship takes work. Moonlight drives. I just remembered I have a very important appointment. Romantic hideaways. Ah! Ah! And all kinds of surprises. Could I uh, buy you a drink? Scott Valentine is my demon lover. You look really awful. A monstrously funny comedy. Did I do something? You have to get help for this. Rated PG-13.
I also, in trying to find stuff to watch, found uh, My Demon Lover. Okay. Which was a comedy from comedy from 1988, starring Scott Valentine. Nah. <laughs> yeah. Scott <laughs> Valentine was Mallory's boyfriend that they brought into Family Ties. Okay. Good I'm trying look- to recall what he looked like. Good looking guy, not very bright, <laughs> brought in a lot of comedy, and I think uh, some lady viewers, because mm-hmm. he's a handsome fella. Yeah. In this comedy movie, uh, My Demon Lover, he plays a guy who's cursed, not possess, possessed. And um, <laughs> what does that mean? I don't know. Well, well what happens goodness. is whenever he gets horny, he starts to turn into a demon. So he can never really be with Wow. Woman, right? <laughs> oh, it's like Angel on Buffy, kind of. Not Except Angel, Angel can be horny all day long. He just can't fulfill that. Just can't be happy. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Second be season. Be happy. <laughs> That's what they're calling it. So, but he finds a girl that he likes and she understands his condition. So they just have a sort of sexless relationship for a while where they have a montage where they go around the city doing silly things. Mm-hmm. Drinking milk and petting kittens. Things like that. Balloons and whatnot. Yeah. Are involved. But meanwhile, there's a, another demon who's been going around killing women and he thinks it's himself, but then it turns out it's not. And then there's a big climax at a castle in the middle of Central Park, which I didn't even know was a real thing. Ah, mm, uh, yeah. There's a castle. Really? It's called, I, I looked it up, it's called Belvedere Castle, and it's not that big. Uh-huh. But still, it's all castle Castle-shaped. Right in the middle of the city. Cool. And I'm wondering why there aren't more movies that use that. There probably are. I've just missed them. Right. That's it, really. Um, My Demon Lover, you might have seen it on Comedy Central. <laughs> Along with uh, movies like Getting In. Yeah. If you want to uh, host a bad movie night, you could do worse. <laughs> or better. Or better. You couldn't not do better. <laughs> worse. Couldn't do too bad. Or not. The 1988's My Demon Love. <laughs> I'd like to steer you toward love potions. I went and got a couple of books. Oh. About love potions. Did you just feed me a love potion? What was in it, that bottle of Coca-Cola that you opened from the re- factory when it was sealed? Real cane sugar. Oh, yummy. That's the difference between Mexican Coca-Cola yeah. and uh, American. Yeah. American uses corn syrup. I think I'm in love. Um, what kind of books did you get? I'll show you. Part of the Mysteries of the Unknown <gasps> series by I, Time Life Books. I used to have not that one, but I had a book... I had some of these Time Life books. This looks so familiar. I had one where it was like people like levitating and there were there was some other stuff like that. Sure. Like well, telekinesis. if you order now, you'll get one every month. <sighs> Even now? Probably not. Oh, no. yeah. that's too bad. For those who don't know, Time Life used to offer a series called Mysteries of the Unknown. I would never have believed it until one night I woke up around three o'clock in the morning. I felt something cold against my shoulder. It was the ceiling. I was looking down at my own body. There's a word for it, the paranormal, and it's one of the biggest issues of our age. Now, Time Life Books brings you Mysteries of the Unknown that looks into every area from ESP to precognition to alien encounters to give you all the sides. If you've ever wondered about the unknown, examine your first volume for 10 days free and take a serious look at a world that can no longer be ignored. I never thought I would believe in it. Until it happened to me. My family had the Western series where a new book came every month and it was like the gunfighters, the cowboys. Uh, That explains a lot. Whereas this was like, what's this one called? Magical Arts. Magical Arts. And I just opened to a page titled A Pharmacological Theory About Zombies. Right. Which is really fun. And it's like an encyclopedia that takes Bigfoot seriously. 
is basically what it is. In other words, awesomeness. So from that... Ooh, I just found recipes for love potions. Ew. I didn't see that page. You didn't? No. Well, I found it. One of them, I just got really disturbed because the first thing says, combine one half pound of ground beef... I'm like, wait a minute. Is this a potion or a oh, that, beef that's stew? Potion. You know what? I, I should uh, clarify. Most of what I found was love spells. Oh, okay. Sorry about on the way of potions. And I'm pretty sure these aren't really potions. These are just either a tasty cocktail oh, or chocolate. You, you found aphrodisiacs. Nope. It says recipes for love potions. And maybe they are aphrodisiacs, but... Okay. According to uh, the Time Life Mysteries of the Unknown, in medieval times, a medieval magician would write the name of a woman on the back of a mirror three times. He would then hold that mirror up to a pair of copulating dogs. Wait. <laughs> That'll be dogs that are doing. You have it. to find you have to you have to follow around a couple dogs, like like you find a lady dog who's in heat and then just with your mirror with the lady's name. Like, is this guy just chasing around horny dogs all day trying to wait until they do it? Or carrying around a mirror all day, waiting until he happens upon some horny dogs. Either way. Right? That's a weird thing to wait for. When is this dog gonna feel randy? Then hide the mirror for nine days at a spot near where the woman has passed. Oh, God. Oh, I'm sorry. Passed. Moved by. Walked by. Yeah, not, not I, when died. I heard. <laughs> it's like, why Jesus. is she dead? <laughs> you uh, tell her my mind's at. The mirror will connect the woman, the sex act, and her potential lover, who by carrying the mirror on his person, thereafter possessed the power to seduce her. Now, I wonder if you kind of messed this recipe up and, like, found some copulating squirrels or, like, honeybees, if it would go horribly awry. There is a story I kept coming across. It was credited as being Scottish about a guy who wanted to make a love potion and asked the brother of some beautiful girl to go get me some hairs from her. Instead, he brought him hairs from a cow. Oh, my. So he does the spell and then... The cow fell in love with the guy. Oh, my God. And to everyone's great amusement, the cow would follow the guy through town. Right. Right? All the live long day. That's <laughs> now. That's really funny. If a, if a maiden wishes to get a guy, she can take a hot bath and then she will clump flour onto herself to catch the sweat. And All right. And use that flour in the creation of a lover's pie. Oh. And she can include other... Stuff from her body in it, including burnt hairs and nail clippings. Oh. Which you lost me at burnt hairs. And then uh, serve it to the man of the lady's choice. Ew. I baked your pie. Oh, wow. Hey, that looks delicious. Mm. Oh, this is good. What's in there? Well, there's some apples and some cinnamon and my hair. What? Here is a a way that Time Life says uh, you could get a girl to dance naked. Ask her? Ask nicely. <laughs> is number one. But if, in, in, in case that, that doesn't work. Yeah. With bat's blood. Write down the word. It looks like Frutemeyer. <laughs> Frutemeyer. Uh-huh. On a parchment. Now uh, I got to find bats and parchment. Yeah. <sighs> Place it under a door through which a lady will walk. And as soon as she passes over this magical word written in bat's blood, she'll go to the nearest room. Strip and dance with frenzied abandon. For how long, I wonder? Doesn't say. But (laughs) the Grimorium, an ancient text, cautions that her grimaces and contortions will cause more pity than desire. So you'll get what you wanted, which is a naked lady dancing, but she's going to be acting like such a fool, you're going to be turned off. After a while, I'll just be like, you know what? I know I paid 20 bucks to get in here and two drinks, but this is actually kind of sad and I want to (laughs) go. But my friends are having a good time, and I'm their ride. I Something tells me you, this is more specific for you. So now I have to <laughs> and I broke a glass while trying to show a stripper a card trick. <laughs> Just saying. Oh, At man. At the body shop on Sunset. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> okay, so I also picked up this book. The Complete Idiot's Guide to Spells and Spellcraft? I love this book. That's so cool. Just because it's the kind of thing that, like, the Animaniacs oh, yeah. would, would, would use, like, like if they were making a spell, just the, for a good just joke. just get the Complete Idiot's Guide. That's really wild. Or that... that's, that's like a real early Simpsons kind of gag. Yeah. It's really wild that this exists. That's pretty fun. Uh, this one, being written in modern day, cautions that love spells are not for the other person, but rather for yourself. To make yourself more appealing. 
Are they saying that's what they should be? That you're trying to alter yourself? Well, it says it's unethical to uh, take another's free will. Therefore, you can make yourself more attractive with magic. Oh. Unethical, but not impossible? <laughs> Sounds like. <laughs> I'm going to say uh, to uh, make yourself more attractive by putting something... How do, I, how do I word this? How do I make this funny and then just say alcohol at the end? <laughs> alcohol. There you go. You really don't need copulating dogs in a magic mirror if you've got enough vodka. You know, it took a while for television to show a couple in the same bed. Yes, this I know. And I also know about how if they were ever on the bed together kissing or doing anything physical that the actors were required. Each of them had to have at least one foot on the ground to prevent yeah. too much hanky-panky. It was a big deal. So I went off looking for who was the first couple to be in bed at the same <laughs> oh, time. Oh, I used to know this trivia. I'm glad you're going to tell me now. The answer was actually... Actually, unremarkable. It was a show in 1947, and no copies exist. Anymore. Great. 1947, before I'm really convinced anybody had televisions. <laughs> yeah. But apparently they did, and there was a show starring a husband and wife, and they were in the same bed together. So the big deal really was two actors that weren't married to each other sharing the same bed. Okay. That became the thing to beat. So the first one was Bewitched. <laughs> That, I think that's the trivia I knew. A man and his witch. Yeah. And I don't know if it was just made easier because one of them wasn't really a human. <laughs> or was it just an idea whose time had come and it happened to come at a time when the supernatural was kind of hot property? Yeah. Because that was in October of 64 with, with the bewitched in, in the same bed. Uh-huh. With Darren. Yeah. A month later, the monsters did it. <gasps> In their 10th episode of their first season. Oh, wow. In the episode, Autumn Crocus. All right. Again, is it because they were monsters? Yeah. Or was it just, and I, like, it was time? I think that's a really interesting thought of, would people feel safer it being Lily and Herman, you know, they're weird looking people that they're not like us, so it's not going to be as shocking, which is hilarious to me, because they're... Uh, wow. I can't imagine that, that that wasn't even a little bit part of it. Yeah. I, I also looked up a, another television event. Mm. And one year before, Lee Harvey Oswald was shot on television. Mm. And I can't help but think that because of that and things like that on TV, people are like, well, let's just stop messing around with twin beds. Maybe. Seems a little on a, trivial. On historical level. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Now, if this stuff turns out half as good as the batch I made for Elizabeth Taylor, <laughs> Marilyn will be irresistible. <laughs> to tie it all in, their second episode was a love potion episode yeah. of, the, of the monsters. Okay. Because Marilyn is so ugly and plain, she's going to need a little help from Grandpa Monster. Uh, <laughs> so he puts a love potion in the oatmeal, but instead of Marilyn having some, to make herself more appealing, like uh, they say to I do see. in the Complete Idiot's Guide to Love Spells. Got it. Herman and Lily eat it and wind up attracting the next-door neighbor and the mailman. <laughs> and which leads to just a scene of them running all around the monster house, including bookcases that slide around and trap doors and things like that to yeah. try to get away from these two horny neighbors. Oh my goodness. But then at the end of the day, they become attracted to each other. Yeah. The mailman and the nosy neighbor. Oh, love connection. I like it. Happy endings. Yeah. All right, children. You may now exchange Valentines. All right, before we uh, wrap this one up, it is time for me to give Kat her Valentine. <gasps> I get a Valentine? First, you get this. Oh, a black rose? Not an actual black rose. It's synthetic. Yeah, I noticed. But that means it will last forever. Right? And? <gasps> oh, those special conversation hearts. Oh, good. And, and of course, like most modern day conversation hearts, they have modern day text speak. Some of them actually say text me, I think. Aw, and you even wrote Two Cat from Marshall. Yeah, well, there's a part on it where you can fill it out. It's pretty cute. Thank you. 
I'm sure they would say Facebook me if Facebook would fit on a tiny candy. <laughs> Maybe heart. FB. Right. People do shorten it that way. Uh, you want one? Sure. Well, let's let's see what comes out. All right. Let's see. They're all the same flavor, right? Just different I colors. I don't know. Like I would choose pink over green because green looks like it would be minty, and I'm not in the mood for that. But eventually, I'll eat all of them. Mine says XOXO. So does mine. Hey! All right. Mm. Mine's purple, and I doubt it will taste like grape. I think it'll taste like sweet chalk. It'll probably taste just like the one I'm eating that's pink. Mmm, sweet chalk. Yeah, it tastes like sweet chalk. Totally. You know, yeah. I don't think one year has gone by where I haven't had conversation hearts. Very good. You gotta have at least one. That's pretty early in the year. You'll probably get more. Brock's, since 1904. But back, back then it was like, you're keen. <laughs> right. And would you like to go to the soda fountain? If only that would fit. <laughs> it would take up both sides. <laughs> oh, delicious. This this um, rose smells good. I sprayed it. Oh, all right. Well, Yeah. It, it makes sense. I was like, what is that delightful smell? That'd be cologne. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's got that nice manly aroma. Otherwise, it would just smell like plastic. It's a manly rose. Well, I appreciate it. I can't. This is, I'll have to find a very special place for it. Yeah, you don't have to put it in a vase of water because thank God it's plastic. I can't handle the upkeep. <sighs> well, if you're not swooning, you want to do the sign off? I guess so. All right, everybody. It's so sad to say goodbye, but go on. Well, thanks for joining us on this uh, Valentine's slash love episode of Boys and Ghouls. And if you want to uh, send us any suggestions or comments, you can do that at boysandghouls at gmail.com. Check out our other episodes. There would be 10 others at the time of this one's posting. And we come out with a new one on the 13th of every month. So, Kat, until next time. Beware the moon. Beware. Beware.